Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is the Celtic Soul Podcast. I'm Andrew Millen and you're all very welcome back to the show. Folks, thank you so much for sticking with us since... I suppose May of last year when we were recording most of the things online but now we're delighted to say that we've moved into our studio here at the mill and we can now record in person with people which makes it a little a little nicer we will still be doing stuff on Zoom obviously with our North American friends and people in Australia and that but we hope also to get a venue in Glasgow where we can do some one-on-one recording there as well big shout out to everyone who has sponsored the podcast since we started without you we wouldn't be here today so if you like to sponsor the podcast, you like what we do, or you want to sponsor the fanzine, you can contact us at info at celticfanzine.com and we'll give you all the details there. Don't forget to visit the website, celticfanzine.com, where you'll find all our news and articles on a daily basis. Follow us on social media. You'll find us on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram. We have some uh, new T-shirts out. We've done some new reprints of, I suppose, the popular ones, and uh, you can... There on our online shop, CelticFanzine.com forward slash shop, where you'll also find our fanzine. And I suppose it's not an apology, but I want to thank everyone for purchasing issue 119 of the fanzine. We're going 21 years now, and without you again, we wouldn't be possible, especially during the lockdown when we had no access to ground sales or shops. So that would, in turn, I suppose, built up a great subscription base, and we thank you all. It's another sellout of the print issue, but you can still download the digital issue if you visit the website, and I'll plug it again, CelticFanzine.com. Well, folks, today on the show, I'm joined by Johnny Rice, or as known to me as Johnny Ramon from our DJing days, and Johnny is also known as DJ Defensive Mix-Up, and anyone on the reggae scene will know Johnny very well. But anyone on the Sligar Rovers scene will also know Johnny very, very well because uh, he's a diehard Sligo fan and with Celtic having so many connections with Sligo, including the signing of our new boy, Johnny Kenny, uh, I thought we said, you know what, we've got the studio now, let's get someone that's based locally in and have a chat with them. Johnny, you're very welcome to the Celtic Soul podcast. 
Thank you very much indeed, Andrew. I'm like yourself, uh, delighted that the lockdown is over, delighted I can actually meet up with you in person. Um, I probably haven't a really chance to have a chat with you since we had that great summer of love there in the in the Cross and Fusion where we were doing the reggae every Sunday. Uh, what a time that was, so looking back at that. So it's great to see you, Andrew, and thanks for the invitation. Yeah, and it's great because we had when we had a brief spell where we could bring people into the studio, we had, I suppose, the... The third part of them um, reggae Sunday afternoons, which was Baz, and we had Baz in on the show, and with a great chat with Baz as well. But hopefully, Johnny will be back all together again in the summer and doing it. And I'm sure you're looking forward to getting back on stage at Electric Picnic, the big one. Yeah, just I, I, it it looks very much Andrew like all that all that will go ahead again, which is great. There's plans um, going ahead, so everyone's kind of crawling back out of their bunkers and uh, dusting themselves down. So it's very exciting because it's been a tough two years where um, everyone was, we, you know, the, the music and the summer was so important, so important in the reggae calendar. The, the festivals and so on are extremely important part of it. So it's just really exciting to have that back. And 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 just on the same vent, the, the, the League of Ireland season. Just about to start as well, Andrew. And so we're all set to go to the first game, Sligo kickoff, uh, 7.45, February the 19th, at home to Bohemians. The grass will be cut, the New Jersey's will be on, the wintergreen will be flown. And uh, capacity, we were concerned if Sligo's capacity at the showgrounds would be 6,000. That had been reduced to half with the with the restrictions and so on. Um and for the first home game of the season in the last number of years, it's pretty common for us to get about three and a half thousand. Bohemians, I reckon, will have about 500. So it was going to be a squeeze. So it's great now, all restrictions lifted. Um, I reckon we could have 4,000 at that game, which would be very exciting. And of course, Johnny, League of Ireland needs people because we don't, they don't have the big budgets that their counterparts across the water in England. Absolutely, under Yeah, exactly. It's a cash on the, on the gate business, if you like, really. So much of the... The, there isn't a television income um, and there's not a lot of advertising income either. So it's very much um, the league uh, operates, most clubs operate basically on, on their gate receipts. Uh, Sligo is a sports cooperative. It's owned, if you like, by the people. Um, it relies every single year on voluntary contributions in the area of about three to £500,000 from the fans and the rest is gate money. And there have been attempts uh, in the past to do strategic plans and so on to see how to monetise the club, be less reliant on, on just the uh, gate receipt on a Friday night and so on. There have been attempts to, you know, for instance, online selling of programmes and so on. So good efforts have been made that way. But essentially, League of Ireland football comes down to probably one-third sponsorship and, and fundraising and two-thirds gate money. Yeah, and Bow's another another big Irish club, a very historic club. And uh, what, what do we have? Yeah, what do you think of the New Jersey? Well, absolutely delighted with Andrew, same as you. Yeah, and it was really uh, fantastic. I felt sorry for them uh, two years ago or whatever when they had the, the first goal. I think the Marley Estate is, is probably a difficult um, operation to try and work with because there'll be a lot of vested interests. They didn't seem to have the right uh, uh, clearance for it. Um, as I sit here, actually, I'm wearing the, the nice new ad, Ajax um, Marley tracksuit. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but uh, the, so this time they've got it all in place, apparently through Universal Records, 
uh, and I'm sure you saw it yourself. The 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 Marley uh, um, on Facebook, Marley Estate on Facebook, and so on, right behind it. And uh, so it's prestigious, and I think they'll do very well worldwide with that jersey. And in turn, it'll lift the profile of the league. Yeah, Johnny, I'm a bit offended with you wearing that AX uh, top in in the studio. It's a team that um, I don't really like um, for various reasons. Um, they're not the nicest of uh, fans to go um, to visit the city. And when they visit Glasgow, um, they generally cause trouble. Okay. Yeah, well, it's the reggae, it's the reggae part that I'm... Uh, I'll, uh, I'll let you away with that, Johnny. <laughs> Johnny, uh, just, you know, it's great to have you in. And a couple of weeks ago, I had one of, you know, one of reggae's greatest drummers, you know, Birmingham man, Jimmy Brown was in and they had him on, on, on Zoom and we had done a great interview. And he was saying as well, you know, they just cannot wait to get back to playing live. So, like, it's just between music and football coming back at the same time. It's 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 just absolutely, it's brilliant. It's brilliant, brilliant. And, and I'm just actually starting to plan out a few things. One of the things I'm looking at at the moment, there's a City Splash Festival in uh, Broccoli Park in Brixton in the end of May. Uh, what they're looking at is six stages, 60 acts, 15,000 people, special rum bar, uh, jerk chicken food. So I'm lining myself up for that. That's just so exciting. Last year, or two years ago, I actually lined myself up for Rotterdam Festival in Benicassim. Toots and the Maytals um, was the headline. And, you know, it's very sad now, actually, when you think back, you know, that obviously Toots has moved on. So, um, but it's very exciting to be able to sit here and say, well, I'll have a go at that. I'll, I'll try and make that festival or I'll make the other one. So it's all coming, coming opening out now, which is great. Yeah, we, I was in Glasgow um, last Saturday for one of the most dramatic days I've had in a long time in, uh, you know, in anything because Rangers drew three all up in Dingwall against Ross County and I was watching it in Celtic Park in one of the lounges and when that equalising goal went in in the last minute, the place absolutely erupted. Now, this was a place a couple of weeks ago. We couldn't go to the bar and yeah. we couldn't get a drink. We all had to sit, you know, socially distance. So within such a short time, we were jumping around, hugging each other. Then that carried on for 90 minutes of, we're not going to do this. We're not going to do this. You know, it was Dundee yeah. United, dogged, you know, better team than most people give them credit for, I think. You know, they sat in, they defended well. We just couldn't break yeah. them down. And then, you know, sometimes football gives you that you know, most beautiful is the feelings. Yeah. When a batter hits the ball, you know, from close range, Jota gives the ball in. What a brilliant ball! And all of a sudden, sixty thousand people erupt together. Yeah. You know, and it, it, like no better place than a football game to you know. I, I heard the saying, you know, Freedom Friday and stuff like that when we were coming out of lockdown. Yeah. But no better way for no matter what you're into, like you know, there'll be people going to see the rugby. They'll be loving getting back. But I left anyway and I was on a high. And I have to say, Johnny, I was enjoying a few drinks. Sure, yeah. And I was in packed bars. Yeah, yeah. For the first time, you know, like it wasn't like this, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So many people in, book a table, sit down, waitress. I was in bars just, you know, this was, this was like, you know, dream stuff. Stuff I could only dream of over the last two years. Yeah. So the jam or from the jam and the selector were playing in the Barrowlands. Yeah. And I just said to my pal, you know what? I'm just going to stroll across and see if I can get in. Yeah. 
And the Barrowlands, I don't know if you've ever been, I'm sure you have. Oh, it's yeah. a very, very famous barroom, old school. Yeah, and yeah. I went in, I went over, and I just happened to bump into a lad that listens to the podcast and he had a spare ticket. Yeah, wow. And I, he heard me saying to the to the bouncers or the security girls, um, is there any tickets left? And they were checking for me. Yeah. And he came up and he said, oh, he said, oh, you're the guy from the Celtic Show podcast. He says, I've got yeah. a ticket. My mate hasn't turned up, 30 quid. Gave him the 30 quid. We went in, we had a few beers. And I got to see two bands. I danced, yeah. you know, and it was just like, I didn't realise at the time until the next morning, I had to be up really early to get an early flight out of Edinburgh. I get on the plane, Johnny, right? And I'm sitting there, yeah. right? And I'm exhausted, but I didn't care. Yeah. Because even though I've been back at football for six months, you know, with various degrees of crowds and restrictions and what have you, including going and not getting into games. Yeah, yeah. All of a sudden, I was coming home and I was going, that's actually back, you know. Yes, that's real, yeah. Football and music on the one day and a few beers. You know, and anyone that's looking forward to the League of Ireland starting, you yeah. know, all the, all the Sligo fans and the Bows fans, they must be they must be buzzing for this, you know. And oh, as well sorry. as that, international football's coming back. Full exactly. stadiums. Full stadiums, yeah. You triggered a lot of memories just in the few things you were saying there. The first thing that you mentioned, the jam there. I saw the jam in the Edinburgh Playhouse in 1983. Um, and the next day I came back to Dublin and I was queuing up in the bank there in... Um, in Dublin, and the guy standing in the queue behind me was Bono, just an ordinary punter. He's actually smaller than me. And uh, I said, Hi, right, Bono, I saw um, the jam in Edinburgh last night. And I always remember the first thing, this, the answer he gave me, he says, Straight away, he says, well, What is it you do yourself? So it really fits in with the U2 profile. Those guys were switched on, they were always looking for the next move. Yeah. So his first question was, Well, what is it you do? And uh, is there anything maybe that he should be linking on? But uh, what a great show that was, the Edinburgh Playhouse, the jam. And then the second thing that I was intrigued with there, you mentioned Dundee United and Celtic. I remember being over um, during the, the Roy Keane time, maybe you were at the game yourself, Dundee against, or it was at Parkhead, Celtic against Dundee. And we went across and we were disappointed Roy wasn't playing. He was on the substitutes bench. Uh, Gordon Strachan was the manager. and uh, But anyway, the good news was... Um, Roy suddenly started warming up, so he's coming on. And whatever happened between just before he came on, Dundee scored, and um, they held off obviously on the on the bringing him on. And then he never came on, so we were all wondering what happened there. How come he didn't come on? And it turned out in the papers the next day he'd said to Strachan, uh, "Do you mind if I just nip down here to have a, to go to the toilet for a second? And by the time he came back, Dundee had scored again, so he never got on. <laughs> I was just thinking, you're paying the guy X thousands a week. Um, he could have gone to the toilet like before the 10 minutes you needed him. Yeah, unfortunately, we didn't have Roy Keane for long. Um, and we had him at the end of his career. But he did, you know, star in the midfield alongside Neil Lennon and gave uh, Barry Ferguson a lesson when we went to Ibrox and they bossed yeah. the game. Um, that was a, I'm sure that's a, a good memory he has. Listen, just going to move on now to... Um, the Sligo connection. Not interrupting you there, but just in the Barrowlands, I saw the Ramones in the Barrowlands. Oh, oh, so you're not finished talking about music? Not finished talking about music, the Barrowlands. I'm ah. getting jealous here on the Jam in Edinburgh and the Ramones in Glasgow. Ramones in Glasgow, yeah. But it, it, what a great place to see uh, see the Ramones at the Barrowlands. It was incredible. All you saw was the four little red lights from the Marshall Lamps, and then you saw the four black ships coming on and gabba gabba, and away you go. It's fantastic, yeah. Had, lovely memory. <laughs> 
Great remedies, Johnny. Johnny, um, as I said, we're coming out of COVID. You're going to be back DJing. You're going to be back watching Sligo Rovers. But with Sligo Rovers and with Sligo in general, there's a great connection, you know. The great brother Walford, Andrew Kearns, a founding father of Celtic. You know, statues in his hometown of Ballymote, statues outside Celtic Park. A man who is, you know, legend has legendary status, you know, at Celtic in Glasgow and, and indeed throughout the world with Celtic fans. You know, and the Sligo man. Then we had the very famous Sean Fallon, the Iron Man, who is, you know, another complete legend. And I met Sean Fallon at the Brother Walford Monument launch in Sligo. And I had the pleasure of um, being in his company and listening to some of his stories. And he told about, you know, how the Celtic team had come over to train in, in, in Sligo and um, say, someone had gone in, one of the players had gone in and, and saved his sister and he always wanted to play for Celtic. And obviously then, he was, you know, he was Jock Steen's number two, Lisbon. So, the, you know, the connection is huge and, and it keeps growing because before I go into the Willie McStay connection, Johnny, I just want to get your take on um, the new boy that's come in 18-year-old Johnny Kenny. Yeah. Uh, so, well, I suppose uh, um, everyone in Sligo is, is really excited that Johnny Kenny has gone to Glasgow Celtic, of all clubs. There's always great excitement under in the league uh, when a player goes from the League of Ireland to Scotland or to England because uh, the, the, the debate, the constant debate with all League of Ireland fans is exactly where does the standard fit in, where do the players fit in. So as soon as something happens and a player goes to Scotland or England... Um, and laterally, actually, they're all going to Italy now. It's a chance to uh, to measure yourself. Um, to f- I mean, to f- again, just memories. 1976 was the first time we had a player, Paul McGee, the great Paul McGee, 19 times Irish international. He went straight from the Sligo Rovers team to win the league in 1977, straight to Queen's Park Rangers, and he was on the big match the next week, uh, scoring goals instantly in the, pre- in the in the old first division, as it was called then. Uh, so he was a, he was one of the first players um, that went straight from Sligo in 1977 into the old First Division in England and was able to do it. So he was a fantastic example. Um, so Johnny Kenny now uh, uh, is going to Celtic. Uh, there was a lot of talk all season. It's only his first full season with Sligo. He's come through the 17s and the 19s from, uh, from kids football before that with our Harps. Um, he wasn't expected that he'd even be a first-team regular, really, uh, last season. Um, he's still at school. He was just doing his leaving cert. It was, um, Sligo would be unique as well in the League of Ireland. We've always had a full-time professional policy. And uh, we had a lot of full-time professional players, a full squad in Sligo. Uh, Johnny Kenny was brought in really on to see there was high hopes all right but he wasn't expected to be in the first 11 every week and he just gradually uh, started playing his way in every time he played he impressed he was scoring goals and once we were about halfway through the season he was a regular so then he got playing he played with the Irish uh, under 21s as well scored in three games in a row. So his profile has been building all season and now he goes to Celtic and there's just great excitement to see uh, how that will work out. Yeah, and he's coming from... He's going into a league which is not which is stronger than the League of Ireland, but he's going into the B team who play in the Loudoun League, which is a senior league, 
but it wouldn't be as strong as the League of Ireland. So um, I would imagine once he gets up to the speed of fitness that they're looking at a Celtic because um, Ange Postacoglu wants the B team playing his style. Tommy McIntyre has them playing that. But he also wants them to be able to come up and train with the first team because they need to know, you know, because before Christmas we had to call up a couple of young players and they were he, he was happy that they were ready because they'd been training with the first team on and off. They knew the intensity of the game he plays because it is quite a high-pressing game. You know, and we've we've you know we've had you know sixteen-year-old breaking into the first team against Dundee United. So there's lots of um, there's lots of opportunities for young people. Even though we are bringing in, you know, it looks like he's building a team now that you know each player will be as good as what's in front of them or almost as good. Because I look to the team now, and I look at Kyogo, Japanese international. You know, I I, I imagine him when he's fit playing sixty minutes and then replaced by. Japanese international made it. you know so it's like for like you know people who are who are used to his system play it you know I look at I look throughout the field now we're looking at or throughout the team we're looking at you know two players for every position as good as you know I hope hopefully that they can raise the game and when they do come in it seems like it's flawless it seems like you know but I think against Hearts recently we we were probably Johnny a little Jade at looking with 30 minutes to go because it was so such a high-pressing game for 60 minutes. And with players out injured and players in international duty with Australia and Japan, he probably didn't have those he wanted to call and had to maybe, you know, go with what he had. So, but they seen the game out. So that that's a kind of a thing. And I think that will, um, you know, I know they watched Johnny a lot. There was a lot of reports sent. I know William McStay was over watching him. Another chief scouts came over. Um, you know the reports that I've seen, and they, you know, can play with both feet, can score goals with his head, can score goals from tap-ins, can score goals from outside the box, has plenty of energy. You know, and at the moment, you know, he's probably fourth or fifth choice striker at Celtic. Yeah, but one or two injuries. Yeah. And, you know, we could see Johnny maybe making the bench by the end of the season. Yeah. Yeah, well, everything you're saying there is correct, Andrew. And um, the one thing the Celtic uh, fans might know is that uh, he's coming from with a great pedigree. His dad, Johnny K- Kenny as well, um, started started playing with Sligo in 1994. And he was part of the team managed by Willie McStay. Willie came over to Sligo in 1994. Um, the team were relegated to the first division. Uh, in, uh, Willie was only there for about five or six weeks and then they were relegated he rebuilt the squad completely and that squad came back and won the treble the following season they won the first division championship they won the shield and they won the FAI Cup uh, beating Derry City at the old Lansdowne Road there in a very wet April day but uh, Willie was player manager at that time he brought a few other boys over from Scotland Mark McLean who was uh, goalkeeper uh, Mark was actually from Celtic, had come through the Celtic um, club and he uh, he had a chap, Eddie Annand, who went on to play for Air United actually. So there was quite a few Scottish lads, a few Australian lads and some Irish guys, but one of those players was Johnny Kenny. And uh, I just noticed actually before I came in to, to see you there, I was looking at the, an old photograph of the 94 team and in the front row is Johnny Kenny Sr. and right behind him is Willie McStay. Uh, so who could have uh, predicted that in what that six twenty seven years later, 
uh, his young lad would be going across to, uh, working with Willie McStay in Glasgow. It's just a nice connection and a nice symmetry. But uh, his dad um, and the sort of temperament maybe that he's coming from was just a, 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 a lovely, lovely player. Right winger, uh, very simple player. Ball played out to him straight to the end line and whip it across. Um, not a not a flashy player, but hugely effective and a great work ethic as well and a very sort of humble uh, person. But a, 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 a man as well, after he finished playing, we'd, you'd often see him back at the ground. He loves Sligo Rovers. So I imagine that, that young John uh, would be full of confidence going over to Glasgow. He's had a, you know, a whirlwind last two or two years. He's been building. Everything has been positive. He's going to Celtic at 18 years of age, full of confidence again. Uh, I think there'll be quite a few people at the club looking out for him, from Willie McStay and, as you say, uh, Angelo is looking after him as well. He's He's barely spoken to him and spoken highly of him and so the opportunity is really there for him now uh, we've seen as well that um, if you like J- another example would be Jamie McGrath who went across from Dundalk he's done extremely well with St Mirren just moved to Wigan there in the last while but that's another example of, of a player that's come into the League of Ireland I think that'll give players like Johnny Kenny as well a sort of a base mark or a, a base mark of confidence to say yeah well I can, I can do it Celtic is a huge club it's obviously no comparison with St Mirren but um the better the players you're playing with, the higher the intensity of the training, the quicker he will develop. And it's a, it's a true test. It's a real opportunity for him. Yeah, Jim Goldman done a brilliant job and he's doing a brilliant job at St Mirren at a small club, a small budget to bring McGrath in. That was a good, that was a great sign. But when I look at McGrath, you know, an Irish international playing in the team, like a lot of Irish managers wouldn't have looked towards Scotland, not even Celtic. But, he, but because Kenny knew him Stephen Kenny knew him from he was a kid. He was yeah. willing to give him a chance, you know, and he's in, he's a full Irish international, you know, he's he's in that starting eleven. And that's just, you know, testimony. He's gone down to Wigan now, he'll be I'm I'm sure he's gonna be on more money down now. Yeah. Um and he'll be missed by St. Mirren. But at the same time, see with the Brexit now, Johnny as well. Um William stay was we had Willie at one of the Saturday AMs and he was he was explaining to us, you know how it's working now. They would have been looking in Ireland at, you know, underage players, taking them about 16 and, um, you know, walking with them, developing them. And one thing I'll say about the Celtic youth system, even the players that don't make it, they generally go on and have a half-decent career because a lot of clubs will be happy that the system they come through. Yes, yeah, You know, yeah, and, and yeah. the football education they've got. So they'll be happy to take them and take a chance on them. You know, and a lot of them will go out and loan. Some come back like Callum McGregor, become club captain. Others will go out and loan and they'll move on. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. Leo Connor, you know, never, never really got a chance. He moves on. And and, and, and this, this happens, you know, all clubs. But, you know, there's probably an added pressure when you're with a big, big club. Yeah, You know, yeah. and Selig are a, are a big oh, club. Yeah. But, like, what I'm hearing is, like, uh, be, just with the William McStay stuff, so they can't take a kid now till he's 18 from Ireland because of Brexit. So what they've done is they've had to move a lot of the scouts up the north. So they're looking in the north and they're looking, you know, in England and that, at players that, you know, at that, that, that age group to bring through. So that gives the League of Ireland time to develop players like Kenny, who probably got a bit of luck with COVID as well. Yes, yeah, yeah. You know, you know maybe he was good enough to get in the team, but you know yourself... The League of Ireland has a, has a, you know of rotating players around different teams, you know, because they they 
the League of Ireland players. Yeah, yeah. Well, you see, it's, it's very interesting as well. Like, uh, what's coming through my mind there really is the whole development pathway that's that's come through in the League of Ireland in recent times, which has been hugely positive as well. And players like Jamie McGrath. Uh, and, and chaps like that, they've come through the under-17 and under-19 National League, then into the first teams of the League of Ireland, and then they're ready to go abroad. And there's a lot of commentary at the moment, and I'm sure you've heard it as well, people saying that a player is better to uh, stay in Ireland, get maybe 100 games under his belt, um, senior football, uh, which is a better pathway than going into going over too early and then playing in, in development leagues and in, in the under-23s and friendly leagues, for want of a better word. Um, another example there, just actually uh, in, in the last couple of weeks, is John Mahan, who's moved from Sligo to St Johnston. And uh, he was hotly tipped to move to Celtic as well. But this kid is, is another example. John Mahan, he's, he's from Ballastair United, uh, came into Sligo Rovers under 17s, came into Sligo under 19s, then into the first team. He's played over 100 games for the first team and he's now gone to St. Johnson. He's a battle-hardened centre-half already and he's only 22. Um, and he's had a chance to develop in the league. And they could do with him. <laughs> He'd start to be busy. <laughs> uh, but it's a, uh, it's a fantastic example of the new pathway. So what's changed completely uh, in, in within the whole Irish pathway in the last while, as you know, is that they brought in the uh, underage leagues. The, the Previously, it was the Kennedy Cup at under 14 and the best Kennedy Cup players either went direct to England at 14 or 15 or continued on through to some of the Dublin clubs, and the Dublin youth clubs and then across the, the water. Now what's happening is all the League of Ireland clubs are at the forefront. They've all got Sligo, for instance, at the moment. Uh, will have a, a, a senior team. Uh, they have under 19, 17s, uh, 15s, uh, men's, and we've for the first time now we've got a senior ladies team as well, which is fantastic. And we've an under 19 ladies team. So all those pathways are allowing uh, the best are playing the best. Uh, they're playing in, in good stadiums and good pitches with good coaching, the very best coaching. And they're staying in Ireland, as you say, maybe fortuitously due to Brexit, is given a breeding space to the League of Ireland clubs to develop those players. They're also uh, signing, the, the League of Ireland club has been careful to, to sign the player up, up with release clauses and all, so they can get some reward for, I know there was the 5% of the 5%, which did help uh, with with clubs that said, let Robbie King go in the past and so on, Damien Duff. All those guys contributed a lot back to their Steve clubs. Staunton. Steve Staunton, indeed. So it, but now it, it, both of those examples, um, John Mahan went to St. Johnson for £100,000, Johnny Kenny for 150000 plus add-ons. So that's a quarter of a million pounds uh, uh, for Sligo Rovers. There's some add-ons in it. Um, and it also is a huge encouragement, obviously, for all the other players coming through the, the youth setup that it can be done. There is a pathway, direct pathway now, the whole way through uh, into the Sligo Rovers first team or uh, further afield. So it's starting to work, and I think a great credit to the FAI um, Cooperman and all those people who put those. Uh, rude doctor, he's just retired there recently. So there's a big pressure on now to make sure to continue with that progress. Yeah, but I think kids will look now and say, that's the route I might go down. That's the route. And like we said earlier on, the importance of, you know, money to the League of Ireland to survive, the importance of fans. But a quarter of a million from two players you developed, that's quite a good return. Well, ironically, Andrew, it's exactly equivalent to winning the League of Ireland prize money-wise for three years in a row. 
the the prize money for winning the 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 League of Ireland is a hundred thousand pounds, but the club has to pay eighteen thousand pounds a year registration, uh, to pay for the referees and affiliation fees, uh, and all you have at the end of that is uh, you get twenty eight Umbro footballs, uh, so it's a tough league. Your net uh, net prize money is eighty eight thousand pounds, so. A quarter of a million selling two players like that um, is is tremendous for the club. Yeah, the, we have a kind of mix of League of Ireland fans. I know League of Ireland fans who are diehard League of Ireland fans, no interest in any other club in, across the water. I also have uh, know a lot of League of Ireland fans who will be, I suppose, regular on bar stools on a Sunday afternoon watching Sky, um, but they still support the, the local team or they support the club. And then there's also ones like. I suppose lads I travel with who are, you know, Dry United fans, Dundalk fans, Bowes fans, Rovers fans, Pats fans, might be and there might be even one or two Shells fans in that, Cork City fans. And I meet them regularly in Glasgow or I travel regularly with them. And that they they've an affiliation to Celtic, a massive affiliation. And I suppose Jason Maloney, a Shamrock Rovers fan who, you know, you're the same vintage of me, you'll remember the fanzines, you know, um, even though we're still doing one, but back in the day, they were everywhere. You know, um, there used to be a list and when Saturday comes, every club had had a, had a couple. But the Glen Malo Gazette was one of the Rovers ones and we've had Jason on the podcast and he's he's an encyclopedia in football, you know. Not only does he go to see Rovers and Celtic, he, he goes to see FC United and St. Pauli and, you know, he's just a, he just loves his football. Like, he, he he put a brilliant post up there uh, around around. The festive period, he goes up every year to see Cliftonville, you know, and he, he goes into details about his pizzas and his beer and everything. But it's it's he, he, that lovely way of his fanzine writer still in him, you know. Yeah. And um, but he always says, you know, he's he's married to he's married to Rovers, but his mistress is Celtic. So is there anyone yeah. else for Johnny? Well, you mentioned Sal Pauli there as your past by when I was a, when I was a kid, I was a Leeds United supporter. Uh, in the 1970s, you know, Gary Sprague, Paul Reaney, Terry Cooper, Norman Hunter, Billy Bramner, Jack Charlton, Peter Larmer, Eddie Gray, Mick Jones, Alan Clark. Sounds like a team Celtic beat. <laughs> exactly, it used to be the Battle of Britain. Uh, do you remember the Battle of Britons? Uh, so that was fantastic. So I was a, 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 a very interested in Leeds at that time. Um, and uh, latter, latterly, I'm very lucky I managed to get over to see Sam Pauli um, uh Two years ago, I think it was against Karlsruhe in the Milan tour. Uh, I just, I just loved it. I actually had Marie with me, and she's not a particular football fan, but she said that was something. Um, uh, I just love when, when I'm when I'm out and about. I love I love going to other grounds. I went to Valencia um, there a few years back, and we were, we were in to see Valencia against Villarreal. And it's just, just so beautiful. We were six rows up. Uh, what's the, the, the mess? Mess. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I've been in it. Yes. It's an old, old stadium. It's a fantastic old it's stadium. It's a freezer stadium in November, let me tell you. I could imagine, because we were there pretty much in this, uh, sort of uh, September, but we were six rows up at the very highest point, and it started off not too bad, but it does get cold. But you have a beautiful view of the pitch. Uh, we've gone to see Roma, we've gone to see... Um, Anywhere we get a chance, the last time I was in Portugal, I went to see the opening of the new stand of Sagrish in the um, Algarve League, about 300 people there, and uh, all the normal football people were there, every personality you could imagine, they were all represented at this, and so anywhere you go, you just 
you just love to see the team, love to see. But my, the, the only team that I absolutely make sure the result every week is Sligo. And it's kind of a family connection thing, really. It's uh, um, it's like my, Marie, my wife, her father was a season ticket holder. All her family are Sligo Rovers. The Cantonese pub in Sligo, 100% Sligo Rovers. Uh, a lot of people that I that I talk to, it's Sligo Rovers is the common bond. So it's just something that brings us all together. It's a kind of a movement, you know. <laughs> it's exciting. And how big, how big is like, like I, I look at Drada, our local team, and I know all the Drada hardcore lads, um, the ultras, who, who, who are doing a brilliant job. Um, even the Rovers fans were talking about them when, at the end of last season. Um, and, you know, ultras get a bad, you know, they get a bad uh, press sometimes. Um, but, you know, they bring such, they breed such life into into a game. And it's great that I, you know, have that because for many years and like many years, especially in the fourth division, like like you'd be going to draw United games and, you know, there wouldn't be a lot at them. The team weren't great and there wasn't a lot of atmosphere, you know. And, you know, when you see young lads going in now and, you know, drums and colour and flares and it just brings so much. But but up in Sligo, how how much part of the community is, is Sligo Rovers? Oh, uh, yeah. Well, I guess if, what I find is you go down to Sligo as you're walking around, the, just literally as you're walking around the town, you will you will see little Sligo Rovers stickers. Uh, an awful lot of the pubs will have a sticker. We're supporting Sligo Rovers. Uh, you'll see it. You'll see people walking around wearing the wearing the kit, wearing the jerseys. There's two official shops in Sligo where you can buy the the kit and all the memorabilia and the merchandise. Um, there's uh, the Bitter Red Supporters Trust in Sligo, which is a very interesting uh, group. They've put together. Uh, they have their own podcast, the Bitter Red uh, Supporters Trust podcast, and they've also built in the stadium um, a pavilion where they. Um, have put together a kind of a museum piece, if you like, where they put together all old memorabilia, badges, programs, and so on. And everyone's invited to come in there before the game and just to, to look at all the exhibit that they have, have a cup of tea, have a bit of a chat. And they've done all that voluntary. It cost them something like thirty or 40000 to to put it all together, but they've done that themselves. Then there's another thing, the Sligo Rovers Historical Trust, which is another incredible outfit. They've put together an outdoor um, museum exhibition if you like they got a grant through the EU leader fund and so they have a whole pile of um, photographs uh, metal metal display boards uh, in the Schlager show so when I talk about that I would say maybe 50 something like that chronicling the teams the players the personalities and the drama of the club over over the, their the club is now 90 I think it's 95 years old 1928 so they're working actively in Sligo Rose Historical Trust, you're a bit of Red Supporters Trust. Um, a while back, they had an initiative at the Showgrounds as well where you could buy a brick and a wall for £100 to commemorate um, a Sligo Rovers supporter. Uh, they've sold out completely. There's something like three, 400 of them put in place already. And it's very often uh, p- people putting up a, m- a memorial to a, a relative that supported Rovers and that maybe had passed on. So that could, there's no question at all. I, I remember one time before the, the, I think it was the cup final in 2009, I was in the Rover shop and there was a tiny little child in there being kitted out by his mother. And she said, there you go, you look like your grandfather now. And uh, that to me sums it up. It's totally transgenerational. It's um, the grandfather 
uh, in this case it was the daughter dressing the son, her son, to look like the granddad uh, in the Rovers kit. And that's what Sligo Rovers is all about. Do you know Do you know a lad called Downey Cairns? Downey, I met Downey in Philadelphia at a Celtic supporters function and we got chatting. I met him a number of times at different events in America and he is Sligo Rovers diehard. You know, he'd come home for a couple of games every year, all the way from New York, you know. So, uh, yeah, he lo- he loves the club and, yeah, he's involved in bits and pieces because he knows Willie and and so forth. But, you know, you said it's 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 a family thing that, you know, that's handed down. And maybe that's how Willie McStay just got the whole Sligo Rovers thing because he comes from a dynasty. The McStay dynasty in, in Glasgow, you know, going back to the, the, you know, to the early days of the club, you know. You know, Jimmy McStay managing the club, you know, playing for the club. Willie's uncle's playing for the club. And then Willie and his two brothers playing for the club. And and obviously, you know, Paul being, you know, one, if not the greatest midfielder we've had. But maybe people would argue that maybe it's Bobby Morrick. But he's certainly in the top 11. He's in the 11, the greatest, he's voted in the greatest 11 players to ever wear the hoops um, and, and what an honour that is but Willie came over here and probably stepped out of Paul's shadow yeah yeah well the, th- the thing about it, say Willie McStay there's, there's certain managers just have a perfect fit with Sligo Rovers because Sligo Rovers being a community club uh, a transgenerational club if you like and so on there, there's certain personalities uh, 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 people that suit us and William McStay was perfect for Sligo Rovers he came over came over at a very bad time uh, we, we were it was in the mid 90s early 90s as I say we actually went straight into relegation so we were in the first division we'd come through a period in the l- l- late 80s early 90s with Donald Reardon was the manager and we just marooned in mid-table um, first division that was a difficult time uh, we got out of that with Sean Connor. Sean was great. Um, you remember Sean Connor. Sean came in and got us uh, uh, up, uh, promoted to the uh, Premier League. <coughs> I always remember I actually left Drada with my two sons. Uh, we got on the train at Leytown and we headed up to Dublin and then from Dublin down to Sligo on the train. But we were heading into Dublin on the train. We were only three people. The train was full of Irish rugby fans in the green and white. And we were sitting there in our little three of us with the red and white. And this guy says, look, this is, do you mind me asking you, where the F are you fellas going? So I says, we're going down to Sligo Rovers. We're playing at Lone Town at home. And if we can uh, get one point, we're promoted. And we crushed at Lone that night, nil all. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> we were promoted. And uh, Porrick Moore and all those guys were playing. So up we go to the first division. But uh, Willie came in, uh, relegated, built a brand new team, and as I say, won the treble that, that the season. Um, and he's pictured, as I say, behind Johnny Kenny. And uh, you can see the, the sponsors on the jersey uh, that season was EBS, uh, Education Building Society. And things in Sligo at that stage were so bad that the club weren't able to get any individual sponsor of enough uh, acumen to, to, to buy out the full sponsorship. So they raffled the, the shirt sponsorship that year, £300 a ticket. Um, I think they raised thirty or 40000 in total. But the EBS were the proud sponsors of the Treble Wind Sligo Rovers um, team for £300. <laughs> <laughs> and they're still on my wall and there are lots of walls everywhere. EBS. Uh, with the iconic sort of red and black jersey, EBS, and Willie McStay there. He built a great squad. And what a lovely guy he was. I have my own little story about Willie McStay. 
we were going over again to see Celtic um, and I, I, I cheekily decided I would actually ring Celtic direct and ask him would he meet us uh, just just to say hello because he'd just left Sligo and go back scouting for Celtic and so that was funny uh, someone left a message a message here there and everywhere but anyway on the Friday evening just before we left um, to go over to, to Scotland I got a message from my wife to say some guy from Scotland had rang to say he couldn't meet us she said, I don't know who he is. I don't know who he was, but he's a Scottish guy anyway. But that was actually Willie rang me at home that night, even though I don't actually know the guy personally. And I thought it was a really nice idea. He said he had to go scouting in, in uh, St. Johnson or something. So that's the sort of guy he was. His wife was uh, at Sligo Connections as well. And, of course, he's been coming back and over since. And it's a wonderful strength for Sligo to have that connection with Celtic because Willie McStay will take very seriously in, uh, any player coming through in Sligo um, and uh, you know he'll certainly make every effort if the kid is up to it to, to, to promote him and so on so it's a, it's a great great connection and we, we were delighted to have him you know yeah and I think um, with the signing of Johnny Kenny we know Hibs were looking at him um, and you know what they know of Sean Maloney and if, you know there's a lot of talk about how good Sean is but that would be the proof of being the pudding but um so I look, I look there and I say, right, Hibs are in, there was German teams in and there was Dutch teams in. This is what my leads believe, who was scouting the man from, from the information I have, I believe it's true. But I'm sure that Willie and Mr. Kenny, who Willie played with, I'm sure um, they had conversations. Yeah, well, that's, that's it. I mean, as you, as, as you get older, as you get wiser, uh, Andrew, you realise that in football, everything is everything is connections uh, and everything is happy coincidences. It's not just all planned out uh, in straight lines. So that's exactly how things happen. Um, and as I said, it just suddenly just occurred to me, looking at that picture there, they are, they're, they're side by side in the same team and now it's coming, coming on further. But um, it's... Uh, it's, it's and they said the connection, the, the the whole Celtic connection in Sligo. For instance, uh, the, the, there's the training centre beside the main stadium in Sligo. Of course, is called the Sean Fallon Centre. That was only developed in the last say ten years. It's a, a it comprises a full all weather pitch and two grass pitches, uh, and what that is a wonderful f- facility to have right beside the main pitch, so the players can can use all the the facilities, dressing room facilities, and so on. Uh, recovery room facilities of the showgrounds, but they're able to train if necessary on the all-weather pitch right beside uh, the main stadium. So, and that's you know, big banner there to Sean Fallon Centre. So every Sligo Rover supporter is is aware of that sort of lineage and that sort of link, um, and that's why it makes it really exciting that Johnny Kenny has gone to um, to Celtic. Probably the, the only problem he'll have is playing against John Mann, <laughs> Saint Johnston. Wouldn't that be lovely at the end of the season if they're playing uh, against each other? Yeah. Well, Johnny, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you in, not only just in for chat, but to have someone sitting beside me or across from me, because um, although Zoom is great, and next week I'll be I'll be on to someone in North America, but you know all it's missing now, Johnny, is is, is two points, and we could <laughs> we, we, we could chat all night. Absolutely, been an absolute pleasure, uh, Andrew, uh, meeting with you again and talking uh, talking about Sligo Rovers, talking about Celtic and talking about music. Fantastic. Yeah, nice. But I, I suppose, you know, rock and roll and football, you know, they go together. They go together, absolutely. Well, they certainly do for us. Um, as I said, Johnny, thank you so much. And thanks to everyone for listening. Um, if you want to listen to Willie McStay's podcast, we had done a two-part with Willie 
a while back. Um, um, I just can't think of the episode number because we've we've done so many now. But if you check it out, it's on. Um, we're on Acast, we're on Apple, we're on Spotify, on all the major ones. So if you want to um, listen to us again, you don't want to miss an episode. Hit the subscribe or follow button. It doesn't cost anything, and you'll get all the podcasts and audio. You'll also get the Celtic Soul podcast and audio on our YouTube channel, Celtic Fanzine TV. And you'll also find the videos we do there. We've done some great interviews over the last yeah, almost two years. We, as I said earlier on, Jimmy Brown from UB4, with Paul Heaton, then with Peter Hurton from The Farm, with loads and loads of ex-Celtic players. And of course, the most important ones, we've spoke to so many fans. And all that stuff's up there. You'll find Talk from the Terrace, uh, the Grand Old History Pod, and, and so forth. Um, Please support the fans, Ian. Thank you so much. 21 years this year. We're having a little dinner in Glasgow uh, to raise some funds for the Kana Foundation. That's sold out, but we will be doing some more charity stuff as well. As I said earlier, please follow us on social media. You'll find us on all the, I suppose, all the older ones, the Facebooks and the LinkedIn's and Twitters and, and Instagram. But we've, there's so many now and so many new ones. We can't be on them all. Uh, check out the website, Celtic Fans, Ian. Dot com where you get all our news and articles on a daily basis and uh, what else is that yeah we've got some new t-shirts coming out so check out our shop and if you like what we do and you'd like to support us you can buy a fanzine buy a t-shirt or donate for the price of a point all on our website celticfanzine.com unfortunately we can't play out of the show anymore with music because we've been hit with some copyright issues but um that's it then folks um, tune in next next week again we'll be back next week again and um, we'll have another great guest on and they'll be opening their Celtic Souls to us I think today wasn't really a Celtic Soul it was more of a Sligo Soul so I'm just going to leave the last word to Johnny well as I uh, say Andrew it's great it's great uh, looking forward to the new season uh, February 19th Sligo Rovers against Bohemians so hail hail to Sligo hail hail to Celtic hail hail to Sao Paulo and hail hail to the rock and roll Keep the faith, Johnny. It's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen 
premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.